Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Prepare for Impact podcast. I'm your host, Connor Bland. This week, we're going to be talking about discipleship that we see going on around us and what that looks like and how we might be able to take that into a cross-cultural context. So we hope that you guys stay tuned and join us. Okie dokie, everybody. Welcome back, Jeff, first off. Yay! He's I'm here. here. Yes. Jeff is back right. from picking up your daughter from the airport. Right. In Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, not and Denver. Los Angeles. From the Philippines. 13 hours of driving in one day, just Jeff. Yeah. Hey, wow. It was a lot of fun. Wow. We. That sounds like fun. Hey, books on tape. Well, actually, not books on tape. Uh, digital books. Uh, audio audio books. Audiobooks. No, Audi- audiobooks. He it, did. That was. It took two days. Two days. I was like, One I've driven to California. It does yeah. not take. Jeff Bozel has a lead foot. Pedal to the 120 <laughs> miles an hour. We're in getting all, home. <laughs> in all fairness, the speed limit in Utah is 80 miles That an is hour true. Now. And you can at least go 10 so. over that. So it's like 90. <laughs> no. No, no not, not when you're as old as I am. Last that time I went to California. Yeah, right. right. Okay. Um, uh, but yes, drive to California and back. It was great. Um, and got our daughter, who had been in the Philippines for a year. You could do that also. There, yeah. She was teaching at an MK school, and there are teaching opportunities everywhere around the world. So if that's of interest, shoot us a note. Yes. So... All in all, we're super pumped to have Jeff back with us and recording again here in our Prepare for Impact studio. So this week we're talking about discipleship and how we see it happening around us. But yeah, so who has maybe a first thought when it comes to the discipleship that's going on around you? Well, I volunteer with a ministry that does um, in-depth Bible studies. And specifically, I work with high schoolers. And so they have a really cool model of how they use studying the word to grow and make more disciples of Jesus. It's in their mission statement and everything. And so that's probably the one of the biggest ways that I see that in my day-to-day is through all the different roles that us adult volunteers give and then how we see that um, kind of come forth in the teens that we work with too. So is that something where they come, like the leaders come already knowing how to disciple others or is that something that they teach you along the way as disciples? Yeah, you like, you get a lot of training. So I'm the teaching director for the class. And so I did a whole weekend of training for it. This is how you do it. And then I go and I train my team. So there's like the small group leaders. And then we have, you know, people who feed them food, worship, um, somebody who just prays for the team, someone who does all the logistics. And Mm. so it's kind of like, I mean, it's little mini ministries all over the world yeah that's really neat and by discipling we're talking about discipling people to look like jesus basically Mm -hmm. right to look and act and live like jesus lived or would want us to live yes cool yes i I would say in my in my getting around uh church wise and those kind of things i would say i don't see a lot of discipleship actually happening Mm. in the way jesus did it you know life on life discipling Mm. I think we tend in our churches today to depend a lot on pastor teaching kind of discipling. Mm. So, you know, you you go to church, you sit there, you try to engage with God through worship, um, which hopefully happens, and then you're taught something from Scripture, and that's kind of the discipleship that happens, because then you go home, and then 
you know, you you live out your life for the next week, and then the next Sunday you go to church and you have another little discipling session with your pastor. Mm. Not personal, but I think, and I think some discipling happens that way, depending on the person. Mm-hmm. But I, I think in most churches we become so individual in the way we approach life that um, we don't, uh, we we just we don't interact that way with other people. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't uh, like really become authentic with each other, at least in the older generation. I can speak only for the older generation. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course I do relate to you guys a little bit too, but, <laughs> but, but I would say, yeah, I just think unless we have something that's in common that we hang around together, but, but then even those times aren't really discipling times, mm. you know, those are, Hey, let's go to an avalanche game or, sure. you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, maybe yep. we talk about spiritual things on the drive up to Denver, mm-hmm. but, you know, I just don't see a lot of that happening in the church today. Now, I'm sure I'm generalizing, and, and there are churches that really do that well. Mm-hmm. But I think it's gap in the infrastructure of church more than because I think it happens all the time, person to person, but it's not necessarily an easy fit in the way that church is formatted a lot of the time. However, you do church, usually it's kind of hard to have that one on one discipleship piece. What? I think that comes down to a lot of personal stuff as well as the church, because as Americans, we're always busy with something. And Mm -hmm. so we feel like investing time into an individual for hours during a week doesn't fit with our schedule. Like there was a, a question that was asked to me this morning as to how I have so much time, quote unquote, so much time to spend with friends of mine on Tuesday nights and Thursday mornings and now Sunday afternoons playing games. And it's because I cut out that time intentionally to be able to live life with the people that I hang out with on a weekly basis for almost five years. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I definitely think that church has something to do with it, but I think it's also, it's, it's hard to ignore the, uh, the fact that as Americans, as busy people, as just the society we live in, I mean, it's, if you're not doing something, if you're sitting watching Netflix, or if you're just sitting at home reading a book, you're not doing enough because you're not busy in your life with other things, which is why, like, for me, I think some of the best examples of discipleship, one, not maybe not the best examples, but one of the examples that I can think of would be even like us sitting in this room is a cool, like, it's cool that we get to do this. We get to put this out for you guys. I love doing it. But it also, these are conversations that are usually pretty organic, pretty last minute. So it becomes a conversation of us talking about certain aspects of things during the podcast. And now that they're shorter, sometimes even after, where we get to kind of live life together and hear about, especially SIP episodes. You can check those out on Monday mornings. Um, and, and I think that it's cool that something so unintentional looking as far as like recording a podcast for you guys to listen to is a great way for the four of us to just get together, be productive, get our, you know, part of our work in prepare for impact is asking the questions that maybe you guys don't, don't know the answer to, or maybe if you have a question, you know, it's, it's great for us to be able to respond to those and to be able to talk to you if you need that. But as well, it's really cool to, to have the four of us sit around together here. But I think, the uh, another great example of 
discipleship that I've seen has been with different area directors for our, for our ministry, like that people all across the world are spending time pouring a lot of time and energy into relationships. And I think that that's why recently, and maybe it's just in my circle of people that I talk to or whatever, discipleship has become a lot more of a conversation is like maybe the church, the the American church has not done it as well as ministry like overseas. Cause a lot of what used to be was focused on ministry internationally, but we're getting to a point where even OC has become partners with 12 or 13 other countries that are sending out missionaries. So now we're kind of like, well, wait, let's look back at the U S and say, what's, what are we missing here? Because we're starting to see a decline in interest from young people for missions in general, especially short-term ministry. So the discipleship that's happening on the field, I think is, I think we're, we're coming up on a point as the American church where I think that missionaries from the field are going to be coming home and going to be trying to implement that in their churches where it is a discipleship thing. That's a lot more intentional, I think, than what, maybe most churches are thinking about right now. And again, like Jeff said, it's a generalization. So it's not that no churches are doing that. Um, it's not that all churches are doing that. I just think that it's a important thing to mention when it comes to what we see on a daily basis, as far as the area directors and team leaders and stuff like that on the field, who part of their job is discipleship. So they get that intentional time cut out for them. But yeah, that's my thought. That'd be cool if missionaries would do that, come back and actually get involved and see change. Well, if you think, if you think about it, that's kind of what you did. I mean, I don't know if you see it that way. I mean, I, I guess from an outside perspective, I feel like Jeff spent a lot of time in the Philippines being not the Philippines, Guatemala, but grew up in the Philippines. Right. right. Um, so ministry and, uh, and time in Guatemala and then came back here, which, you probably did it a little quicker than some, some missionaries, but as like, like Etta has just come back from the Philippines as well. And she's getting ready to move into a discipleship role here in pre-field ministries. So it's a cool kind of, if you will, uh, it's not, it's not retirement. I shouldn't call it that, but like it's when it's time to move off the field as a missionary to come back home and be able to have a position like that. But just as more and more older missionaries come back home to take up those positions in churches and stuff like that. And and at least the initiatives. Right. And, you know, sometimes the opportunity is there and sometimes it's not. Yeah. A lot of times churches don't always give that opportunity, but then I think missionaries could be more intentional as well about how we could have impact. Josh, what's your, what's your take? Oh, I'm mulling. Oh, you're mulling. (laughs) Mulling. Mulling. Um, One thing that I thought of when we were talking about this is that (laughs) it's not just that we don't carve out enough time Um, I think a lot of times we don't think that we're qualified Mm. and by we, I mean like literally anybody Mm -hmm. like I can take my age and use that again. Like, no, 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 no. I can't disciple anybody. I'm young. I have nothing to do. And not that I could ever like send disciple Jeff in a very purposeful way. But when we get together, (laughs) kind of a both two way street though, when we sit together and we're doing this, we are all iron sharpening iron. And so good things happen from that. But um, I think a lot of the time people underestimate their own skills Mm -hmm. and their own gifts to know that discipleship doesn't have to be just from qualified people. Like when you look at the disciples, when they first joined Jesus, they were not qualified, Right. but God, but Jesus qualified them. 
Mm-hmm. And so walking with Jesus is your qualifier. That's it. Yeah. And then through that, big things can happen. Right. I'm not sure. sure you ever feel qualified. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't. Um, you, <laughs> if I you think, feel qualified. Right. If you feel convinced, you are, you're thankful for that. Yeah. I, I think part of the challenge that we run into in, in the church here in America, especially, but I think this filters all over the world, is that one of the ways we want to measure success in a ministry context is through numbers. and. Mm. The more people that are involved, the more people that you are effectively reaching, then the more successful it is. But I think that's that's shooting yourself in the foot when it comes to discipleship, because it the more people you try and disciple at the same time, the less effective you actually are. Right. And I mean, if we if we just want to look at the model of Jesus and his relationship with his disciples, picking 12 and spending most of his time with them, and then even having three that got even more time. And that's that's what he did for the three years of ministry that we have recorded in the gospel. And one, I think today, we might look at that and say, you spent three years on just 12 guys? And like, really just three guys? Like, is that a very successful ministry? The numbers aren't there, you know, but that's, that's the point. It's not about the numbers, though. Mm-hmm. It's, right. Until now, yeah. there are two billion people mm-hmm. plus, plus or minus of uh, 500 million um, <laughs> that, you know, that would cl- claim to follow Christ. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was effective. It may yeah. not have looked effective yeah. back then. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I think the world. <laughs> I think it would be great if we could do more life on life discipleship. Just because I, you guys have heard of Francis Chan's new movement. Uh, it's just called We Are Church, I think. Started mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. They, um, basically, when he left his church, one of the problems was that he felt was just kind of what I described. People would just come. Mm-hmm. They would listen. They would go home. Nobody was using their, or I won't say nobody. Very few people were using their spirit given gifts in mm-hmm. the church community. They mm-hmm. would just came to be fed, not really to help. Mm-hmm. So he kind of, uh, deconstructed the whole thing. So now it's more of a system of house churches. We actually have somebody that's in that system in a, we are church church that's looking at, at joining us. Wow. Um, I, I'm not sure how that plays out in, in <laughs> missions, but, but still, I think that. It's intriguing because one, it's free. So no, there's no big salaries. Everybody's a bivocational pastor. The mm-hmm. pastors that some, they're somewhat itinerant, I think. Um, they, uh, everybody is expected to contribute using their spiritual gifts to the body. It's fairly small, mm-hmm. kind of like home church, house church, maybe 20, 30 people. Um, and may, maybe it gets larger than that. I, I don't know, but, but they, they try to keep it, you know, lean and mean and, uh, it all came about, and maybe you've heard this story too. I think it's one of the most intriguing stories to me, one of the most convicting. Um, there was a guy that came to Francis Chan's church, um, and he was a gang member and uh, came to faith and eventually left the church. And his comment was, well, when I became a Christian, I, I thought it was going to be like a gang, you know, like we would mm-hmm. always have each other's backs and we were always together, spending mm-hmm. time together. We lived our lives mm-hmm. together, you know, celebrated together, cried together, everything together. Yeah. Not just this like come to church one day a week or maybe two and, and then never see each other again. That's just, that's where I, I, I had more family in the gang than I had in church. And that really convicted Francis Chan. Mm-hmm. And he said that we're, 
we're doing it wrong. You know, yeah. if you get more sense of family and love and acceptance and forgiveness and care in a gang than you do at church, there's a problem, you know? Yeah. And so that's why he looked at this new model. And I think in all of our churches, not that we have to totally deconstruct the church and, and go to home churches, but whether it's through small groups, whether it's through uh, different kinds of smaller entities within the church, we really need to try to develop life on life mm-hmm. discipleship where mm-hmm. we're, we're yeah. discipling each other. There needs to be community that exists throughout the week as well. There needs to be a sense of relationship with camaraderie, that sense of family that the person you're sitting next to on Sunday morning means something to you. And it's not just someone that you say hi to every Sunday and shake hands with and say, you know, pass the peace, but that's right, it. Right, you know, yeah, that's the extent yeah. of your uh, your interactions, and that's not that's not real community. You know? And that's not the real, like that's when you walk with Christ, you're also walking alongside of all your other fellow believers, and so you're like missing out on a huge experience of what it is, mm-hmm. this new life that we mm-hmm. live. If you don't have that family that comes with it too. Yeah, the church I go to is is a bigger church, and so we we definitely run into those problems of. The one pastor, even a team of pastors, can't effectively disciple 800 people. Right. You know, so so they do rely on a we call them meal groups, so a, a a small group type of model where people join up with different groups and they meet on their own outside of the church on a different day than you know, Sunday, but not during the service. You know, and and they they eat together, they uh, they meet and eat and pray. Basically, so that's that's the requirements of a meal group is that you do those things together. And some of them are doing Bible studies and others are doing an activity together. Others are doing a book together or something like that. But um, once again, though, that depends on the people. The responsibility is on the people in the congregation to actually be part of a group. Right. And there has to be leaders in the congregation that are willing to host a group and lead Mm -hmm. that, you know, and so. It's really easy for yeah. people to fall through the gaps of that and just like and say, I don't have time to join a group or whatever, and it doesn't fit with my schedule, and so I'm just going to keep coming on Sunday morning. Which is why, for me, I think that that's why I said earlier about the whole that I think it's, I think that it's more about the people than the church because I don't necessarily think that the church should be responsible for discipleship, as in the building. Well, not the, well, yeah. the building's not the organization. The body of yeah. organization. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. But I mean, because of those same issues, right? I mean, there are clearly people that, even in bigger churches, like I go to a bigger church as well, like the senior pastor has his group of friends or leaders that he has mentored and so on. Maybe not so much intentionally, but he lives more life with them than the average 1,200 people that go to the church that I go to. So, it almost to me seems like it's just there's somewhere where it, either it's just not intentional enough to say, take this kind of example and and take it to people that you know in the church or just anybody. And so, yeah, it's it's definitely for, it's for the side of the, the defense, quote unquote, if you will, for the, the church building or the church staff. I think that it's it's hard to say that that it's their fault or their problem that people aren't being discipled in the church community as much as it is the individual. I would, it's not, I would say it is their problem though, because okay. if the, the discipleship within the body of Christ has to be a priority mm-hmm. yeah. for the right. church leadership, if it's not, then why are you leading a church? 
what is the point of leading a congregation if you're not trying to create discipleship within the body? Right, but the solution like, may not be all them. No. Yeah, no, no, the no. The solution no. takes personal responsibility. Yeah. In other words, mm -hmm. and I think part of the problem, you were, we talked about this podcast being a little bit about what, or at least moving into what are the challenges. Sure. And I think one of the major challenges that we face today, especially in our culture, mm -hmm. is this kind of thing takes sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It takes sacrifice of things that I, I'm already doing. So like Connor, you cut out time to game with your friends or whatever, and that's uh -huh. great community. But at, at and, and that there is some discipleship that could happen during those times, mm -hmm. but you had to sacrifice other things that you could do, right? Including family time. Yeah. That, that to do those things. And mm -hmm. I think anything like this is going to involve some significant sacrifice on our part. Yeah. And we are really hesitant when it gets into, this is going to cost me something. This is going to mean my lawn might not get mowed every week or, you know, I mean, it's just, that's a real bad one. I would really love something to keep me from mowing my lawn. But, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, it's, it's like, once it gets down to costing us something, yeah. then our intentionality weakens in general in our culture. Which think, is a shame, really, because but, the things worth sacrificing are always the most worth or worth sacrificing for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do use, we've used a couple of times now in podcasts, the example of Jesus and how his relationship with his disciples didn't start in the church. Mm-hmm. It started outside the church, and then they attended church. Well, there wasn't church. Well, there the was synagogue. Okay. It did, yeah, synagogue. It, it didn't. It, it, yeah. it okay. existed outside of an organization, yeah. though. Yeah. Sure. That's why, Versus I mean, to me, I think that, inward out. yeah, if you have people who, which, of course, there has to be an original, which was the big JC. But before that, or I mean, I'm sorry, after that, having people like the four of us in this room who have people that we disciple, and then we say, hey, come to church with me learn together and then continue to disciple outside of the building seems like it's to me seems like it's more and and i'm digressing because we're well, we're obviously running a little low on time here but i think that that's a important factor that maybe we can talk about in in future episodes but well, yeah, yeah that is like what how do you take responsibility for either your own discipleship or for leading others in discipleship you know, sure. that's another episode we can talk about. Yeah. Because you need both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't do one. And, and it's, not, it's yeah. not always about the church either. I think. Right. And it, you know, I mean, I, that used to be the big thing. And, and probably 20 years ago, the attractional model of church mm -hmm. was really big. You know, Willow being probably the best example. Um, and, and, you know, so we're going to tell all of our regular attenders to come on Wednesday so that all of the seekers can come on Sunday. Right. You know, so... And, and I think that worked for that time and for that, you know, in that culture or whatever, but, uh, and never, you know, I think God can use all kinds of things, Sure. but ministry has to, a lot of people think ministry needs to happen within the church, right. you know, within a, a building or a place that we ask people to come to. And it can, it mm -hmm. can, and it has worked that way for years, decades, centuries. But I think ministry really happens outside the church when each one of us interacts with someone outside the building yeah, outside the building. yeah because we are still church. part of the body <laughs> we are. Christ. to use francis yeah. chance we are church so we're loving each other we are loving others we're loving even our and what how did i say that in the blog post it, it's like you know it's it's responsible 
we need to actually reach out to others. And if we are doing that and other people are seeing that, that's what's attractional. Mm. If we're actually loving people around us, that's going to be attractive. Yeah. Um, so really, the ministry of the church, the body of Christ, needs to happen outside the building. Yeah. I just think when, as we talk about that, it is it is very important to talk about what does happen outside the building. But if that's all happening outside the building, what's the point of the building? Right. Well, so, that's, and that's what... That's the like, question. That is a question. Yeah. And if we, if we feel like a weakness people. of the church function as an organization a weakness of that organization is discipleship that they that the church organization is not doing discipleship well then i think that is a problem that leadership has to address as far as mm. modeling it well but also raising up and empowering people within the congregation to start doing it amongst their peers as well yeah you know and right. to to for a pastor to disciple a few key leaders who will then disciple others and, right yeah. Second Timothy two. You need to you need to yes. pour into because I've I've also seen where a pastoral staff will say okay so the discipleship is being handled by small group leaders who are volunteers so we don't need to worry about that right mm-hmm. but then who's taking care of those leaders mm-hmm. who's taking care right. of the lay leaders yeah. you know that is the pastoral staff's responsibility sure. to care for them so that they can continue to disciple well oh, of course you know and so yeah. so it does if there if if discipleship is not about getting more numbers in a church it's about seeing transformation among the people of the church it's definitely right. quality yeah. versus quantity yeah yeah 100 well thank you guys so much for listening this week uh we hope that you guys enjoyed it we had a couple of things there at the end that we alluded to that we'll talk about in other episodes let us know if you want to hear more about those uh, maybe we'll make another episode here in the coming weeks for that um as always you can follow us on facebook Twitter and Instagram, and you can go to our website at prepareforimpact.life, um, or you can email us at mobilization at oci.org. Thank you guys so much again for listening, and we will see you all on Monday for another episode of the SIP.